1: Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're back with Brian Burns and we're going to be talking about what are the differences between A players and B players in sales. It's an extremely relevant topic today, especially with the onslaught of artificial intelligence and the evolving technology landscape that we're all facing. There's a lot of discussion out there about how these new technologies will impact the sales profession. Uh, Will it make uh, the sales profession less important? Will it make people irrelevant. Um, there's a quote from Jeb Blount that says, you know, in the future, there will be sales reps that are told what to do by robots and those that tell robots what to do. So understanding what it is that makes sales professionals, what makes those ultra high performers so effective, uh, what really goes into their day to day, what goes into their perspective and their approach to the professions, uh, a particularly relevant topic and one we hope that you will enjoy as Brian Burns and I dive into it. Hey, Chad,
0: let's talk about, you know, what real you see, as far as differentiators between B players and A players,
1: yeah, it's a it's a great question one we get asked a lot. Right? Oh, uh, is there a secret to being better at what I do? Yeah, it's uh, it's number one called prospecting. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's funny because you know, especially now as we've got all of these different roles, you've got SDRs or. Uh, ADRs, or they've got all these names for these guys that are supposed to do all the prospecting and set the meetings, but uh, what happens is account execs or the guys that have the big accounts, uh, they have a tendency to get lazy as a result of that thing. Ah, somebody else is doing my prospecting for me. The fact of the matter is prospecting is just, it should be part of the DNA of the job if you're in sales, in my opinion, and so many people are kind of scared to do it, it seems like.
0: Yeah, I I think today people are looking at it like an assembly line as opposed to kind of a a partnership, a development. And, you know, I think it all goes back to that separation between hunter and farmer. And it's like, well, it's a little bit of both, isn't it? I mean, if you think of the biggest deals you've ever gotten, it wasn't like, oh, you you called them the first day of the quarter and you closed them on the last day of the quarter. It was, you know, that they were probably existing customers that you kind of dug into, found new uses for your product. Expand it within there, and then you know put together some kind of enterprise deal.
1: Yeah, well, and and that's just it. I think a lot of people think of prospecting as nothing more than net new logos. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you're working, you know, if you're an account rep, a strategic account rep, key account rep, whatever you want to call it, and you have three accounts. Let's say you've got GE. Toyota and Ford and that's all you've got then you still need to be prospecting inside of those organizations it needs to be something that they're focused on and it has to be a consistent application of your skill set to try and continually prove provide value and find problems that you can solve a lot of people just get you know happy with hey I closed a multi-million dollar deal and that's great for maybe this quarter and next quarter but what's your pipeline look like after that
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to feel that in January. It's (laughs) kind of the wake up call that we all get that first week when we look at our pipeline and go, well, that's all smoke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I put that in there thinking it was real and it's not.
0: (laughs) I haven't talked to them in three
1: months. (laughs)
0: And it's like, I wonder why people don't look at that as prospecting. They look at it as farming, or I mean, today they call that customer success. And it's like, well, that, I mean, used to be called support, but now being proactive, it's customer success. But, you know, I always looked at it as like, unless those people are really happy, because those are your references, you know, th- those are the people that are going to talk to your new prospects because, you know, they don't care what the sales rep says, they care about what your customers are saying.
1: No, oh, without a doubt. And it's funny to me with all of the, uh, and I think it was, it was Gabe Larson I was talking to about this, we've got all of this stratification of sales, right? We went from back in the day when, you know, probably you and I started, we all, we had to do it all. We had to prospect, we had to close, we had to expand, you had to do all of it. And as we've seen technology creep in and we've seen this stratification of roles where everything's getting into these little silos. And I think it, it creates a situation where sales reps, ah, I don't want to say that, I, I don't want to make an a, just comment again. I have a tendency to do that. But <laughs> I, I think they have a tendency to think, oh, well, if this is my little niche, then I, I can be a successful salesperson. The the best ones that I've ever worked with, the A players, understand that it is a command of a multitude of skills combined in a consistent way uh, that keeps their pipeline full, keeps them exceeding quota, keeps them engaged in providing value to to the customers. I think we have a tendency to... Overanalyze things. I think we've gone a little too far in how we break things down. And I think the best people, the best sales reps today are going to remember that, you know, all of this is one discipline and it requires, you know, command of a great number of skills in order to pull it off.
0: And I think the A players look at prospecting differently, where the B players, you know, they want to do. The hardest thing, instead of the smartest thing, it was the hard, <laughs> Well, the hardest thing is you know, okay. I want to get into, let's say, a Fortune 10 company, but you have no business being there, right? You, maybe you, you know the company's not big enough, it's not mature enough. You know those big companies are laggards; they're not early adopters. Right. And and then and you place a call into the CEO, you know, which gets to some admin that's three levels below the admin for the CEO, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're like, and everyone, all the managers love that they. I love the go getterness about it and yeah that, that's good it's good effort and stuff but it's just not smart it's like i always say prospect from the inside out not from the outside right you know you know look at the people you who already sold to who do they know who's adjacent to them who's you know who's the next person that would be most likely be interested and that's kind of smart prospecting
1: well and once you're in an account we all know it takes you know X, in X amount of effort to get into an account more than it does to reap the benefits of one you're already in. But it doesn't mean it's just going to show up, right? So if you're in yeah. there, just apply your same prospecting principles inside of that existing account, leveraging those references that give you the credibility. But in order to do it, and I guess this probably goes to my second point, is that focus. Is that focus and that, that understanding of you constantly have to be looking for new opportunities. It's That's the nature of sales. Unless something's changed and nobody told me.
0: Yeah. I mean, that point about focus, when I, when I talk to, you know, great sales leaders, that's kind of like number two that they're looking for in new candidates is people who are laser focused. And I got to say that was probably one of my you know, the key lessons that I learned. And maybe I went too far, you know, because especially like the holiday season, I look back when I, I was a rep, It was like, the holiday season went by, January came and it was like, oh, I should have visited my family. When was, you know, when was Christmas? Wasn't that when no one would answer the phone? That was that Christmas day, right? <laughs> You know, you can go a little too far, but you can tell the people who aren't focused where, you know, they're, they're looking through the CRM, trying to figure out what to do. They look at everything as being equal. You know, if you ask them, what are your top three deals? They go, hold on, let me bring them up. They know that they should be like, you could wake somebody up at two in the morning and they would know, yeah, it's this, this and this, right. you know, and, and they would have a plan. They'd have, you know, a strategy to close them and they'd be obsessed about closing them.
1: Well, and that focus is something I, you know, I see a lot of reps spend a lot of time with the glorious amounts of distractions that we have. Oh, well, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn or, oh, I just saw this mm-hmm. article or this guy just posted this. Maybe I, it's like, no, come on, guys. Focus. Think about what you're doing. Put a plan together. Don't just react, right? Be proactive. That requires a, a level of strategic thinking uh, that, that I just, I'm not seeing in as many sales reps today as, as I think sales managers and sales execs want to see.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably get it trying to get guests with a podcast that, that, you know, CEOs are actually a lot easier to get than VPs of sales. Right. <laughs> you know? VPs of sales are like, what? What does this have to do with quota? Leave me alone. Right. You know, unless they're a listener, or they know you, you, you've already, you have to build a relationship with them first before you, oh, what's in it for me? And it's like, okay, let me tell you, you'll, you'll reach your audience and oh, okay. They don't get it. They, they think of it as a marketing thing and marketing people are like, oh, you're going to charge me? You know, that they, they're like, you know, they're, they're paranoid because they think everything's a trick because they spend their whole day tricking people. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of their role. It's like, how do we get people to give me their email for my email? ebook, right? It's like, okay. But you know, that, that focus, you know, is really critical and you can tell the difference because I get, I'm sure you get a lot of emails from like, you know, the first year, second year salespeople or the first time, you know, they're overwhelmed. That's the number one thing they tell me. And it's like, well, worry about the number one thing. Then worry about number two. Right. Don't worry about number 10.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, we do this We do this exercise in class, in our prospecting class, where it's like, okay, I want you to list out everything you do in a day. Like everything that you do that you believe uh, is part of your workday. List it out. Okay, now go back through that list and tell me what percentage of time you spend on that. Now yeah. go through and rank those. What generates the most revenue? And it's this, to me, it seems kind of like a no-brainer, but it's an eye-opening experience because a lot of them go, man, I'm spending a lot of time doing shit, that does not matter. It's That's not going to affect my number. It's not going to affect my quota. It's not going to get me further into accounts. Um, and that awareness, right? That, that awareness is, is critical if you're going to apply that in any type of focused, repeatable manner.
0: Well, that's it, you know I always had this saying busy, busy, busy you know <laughs> it was like you know, activity does not equal accomplishment and, and a lot of roles all, a lot of people all they care about is being busy and 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 as a manager, they they assume that that busyness equals accomplishment and sales it doesn't, you know. Uh, and I, I see a lot of like, you know, CEOs or are, are, are the salesperson and they go, oh, I'm busy, busy, busy. And the, uh, there's a lot of those internet stars where they're oh, like, yeah. they make videos about how busy they are and they go going to a conference to speak for free and they're spending a day for it. I go cancel. Right. You know, so just get rid of it. There's 20% of your week right there. Right. You know, it's like, if you're getting paid that, okay, that's, is that your business? Is it core? Is it really going to help you? You know, oh, I don't want to see you at four in the morning. It's like, and you see these people age in front of you, telling you how busy and how much the hustle and grind. It's like, ah, you know, I think sales is a work smart business. That's it's an argument you hear all the time. I think the only time the, the real hustle and grind works is when it's like door to door or selling cars in a B2C space where you know that the payoff is much higher. But in a B2B space it's much more about working smart.
1: Oh without a doubt. I mean you only have so many you know they call them the golden hours, right? You only have so many hours in a day where you can actually get in touch with the people you need to get in touch with in order to fill your pipeline, move an opportunity forward, expand an account, whatever it may be. And, and if you're not leveraging that time as effectively as possible, then you're going to see it and your boss is going to see it and their boss is going to see it. So it's not a matter of, this is the beauty of sales, right? It's not about just looking like I'm busy. You have to produce results and measurement of results and sales is, is rather simple to take all the AI out of it. Take all of the complex CRM crap out of it. At the end of the day, results are simple. Did you close the deals and, and fulfill whatever the quota was that was set out for you? Like it's, it's A or B. You either did it or you didn't. And if you didn't, maybe you get another quarter to, you know, kind uh-huh. of, you, know, you know, backfill, maybe try it again. Maybe it's, you know, performance improvement plan or whatever it is. But it's not like any other profession. This is A or B. You either did it or you didn't.
0: Right, yeah, because no one's going to believe or buy oh you you took me out of the you know the field for a week for this or that, some meeting, some announcement, some you know enablement <laughs> no one no one's going to care at the end of the quarter like, ah, shut up, why didn't you do this you know, and yeah. then that's why we always lose our vacation time. And, you know, a no funny story, <laughs> remember those? Yeah. I, I remember one of the last jobs I had, I was the only outside guy. And, and the, the VP says, OK, let, let's go on a road trip together. And we, we went from, you know, I was in D.C. at the time to, through Charlotte to Little Rock, had a meeting in Little Rock and then had to get a connection through Houston, made it into Minnesota that night at like 2 p.m. And then the next morning we had to drive, you know, two and a half hours and I go, well, what's going on here? Oh, it's a maintenance renewal. And I was like shaking my head. I go, <laughs> I go. We're spending a day and a half for a maintenance renewal. I was just like, I mean, he loved to be busy, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, how much is a maintenance? I mean, it was less than 10k. I go, it doesn't even pay for the travel. It's like, I mean, it was just insane. Literally, you know, you get to the hotel at 2:30, and you got to be up at six. You're like, oh. <laughs>
1: Oh, that, I mean, that, that right there, right, so in conjunction with the I'm busy, 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 I think one of the other things I've seen really good sales reps do is time management right? Or time time blocking or time management. And it is that analysis of, okay, is this hour going to generate, or this day of travel going to generate more revenue than other things I could be doing? And that, I guess it goes back to that critical thinking. It just isn't something that seems to be ingrained, or maybe you'll see a rep do it for a week or two, and then they'll get some activity and they'll forget that their consistency is what's going to produce the results, not chasing the latest sparkly object or activity. Yeah. I mean,
0: I don't know about you, but I had a, a consistent regiment every week where I'd be one week in the office, next week on the road. And it would be, you know, I, I'd leave, you know, first thing in the morning, the very first flight, because I knew the plane would be there. You know?
1: <laughs> Unless you're flying out of Rochester, New York. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, if you look statistically, the first flight in the morning is the most likely to be on time right. because the, the plane, they got, you know, eight hours to get the plane there yeah, you know, unfortunately, it's like at six thirty a m, <laughs> which right. means you've, you've got to get up at four thirty, you know get through security and everything, and you, you eat breakfast there. But you can make a you know a ten a m meeting. And I always had my meetings at ten a m and two p m. and i'd I'd be with managers that go, no, no, let's fill up the whole day. And it's like, uh, I want to fill it up with two great meetings and if you want we can take somebody out to dinner right but but you know oh no 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 we can probably get six meetings in here and i, I go okay so you, you get in the car with him and he's calling people and they don't have time to meet with you you know we're getting lost all this crap and i'm like ah, oh, no wonder this guy can't make his number <laughs>
1: you know well, it's the and quantity the versus ne- quality debate right yeah if and you're the
0: prepared next, for it you're gonna get more results and the next week he'd be sick because you know he ran himself down. And, you know how many times it, you go to a kickoff meeting and like thirty percent of the pe- one person shows up with a cold. The oh, next yeah. two weeks, thirty percent of the people now have a cold. The productivity on that is a killer.
1: Oh yeah, the pro- it just goes it just runs through the sales force and slows everybody down. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: What, is, what are they doing all night? They're drinking high five you know.
1: <laughs> We're great. We're going to kill it this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got the flu. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, if if people were more effective at managing their time and and focused on you know ensuring that they show up ready to provide value, ready to engage in a meaningful way, then two two quality meetings is going to blow the doors off of trying to chase six crappy meetings. And, and it just yeah. uh, it's it's that I feel like you know so many people are like, oh, I got to be busy. My calendar's got to be insane. Look, just like you, I have I have fifty percent of my week is time blocked out. And it's, unless there's, you know, something emergency comes up, it's pretty immutable. Like this is, you know, I may move them around a little bit, but I've got half of every day is blocked to do things that are going to generate revenue. And the other half are set up to do things like, you know, the podcast (laughs) or get podcast guests or answer questions or things like that. But if I ever stop... Um, you know, if I go a week and like, let's say I didn't do, didn't follow my time blocking. Then the week after that, I start to itch. I start to, I'm like, okay, I'm not, this isn't under control. My pipeline's not good. I missed a week of, you know, prospecting or following up on emails or whatever it is. Um, so it, the, the ones, the reps that I see be the most successful, are the ones that are really judicious about their time and look at it strategically, what's going to generate the most revenue, what's going to allow me to be the best prepared for the meetings that I do have. That's it. And and if you take, you know, half a day
0: to go to a bonehead meeting, that's either unqualified or and I'm sure, you know, because I've been in jobs where they had the inside reps set up the meetings, yeah. kind of like what SDRs do today. <laughs> and I'd always ask a lot of questions about certain reps because, you know, I go, oh, you know, where is it? Why are we meeting there? Oh, because they would take the meeting. Uh, that's not a good reason. You know, I'm flying. Right, so I'm up at 4:30. I'm not going to be in a good mood if I, you know. And one time it was actually at someone's house, someone's actual residence, and oh, I'm wow. like, "Oh <laughs> Lord."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's usually a pretty good giveaway that they're not going to write in a seven. They're
0: course, not right? quality, right. They're not going to give you a million dollars, right, in a 200k house, you know. <laughs> So you get furious, and it's like if you're not rigid with it, if you don't really think through it, and you just assume, and you know, because that happens so many times, you just assume they're qualified, you assume they're interested, you assume the timing is right, and and people like okay, having meetings on Friday. Well, guess what? Nobody really wants to meet you on Friday. They're they're closing down for the week. They're thinking about the weekend, and come Monday, they're not going to remember you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, sales reps have a tendency to think that plain, pure activity alone will generate results. And I would argue that it is the quality of that activity and and the quality of the focus and the time that people are putting in to make sure that it is going to generate the right results, not just churn a bunch of bubbles in the bathtub and call it a hot tub. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work (laughs) that way. It just doesn't work that way. And, and, We see a lot of it. I mean, I think it probably comes from, as I think about it, some of the sales execs I know are like, well, my guys went on 24 meetings this week or they made 150 calls. Awesome. Great. What were the results? No. Well, next week they're going to make two hundred calls and go on thirty meetings. And that's like, no, it's not just about that. Let's sit down and think about this. And I'm not 100 percent sure that sales execs have the time to do that, depending on the size of the sales force. But the A players, I know the ultra high performers, they start their weeks usually Sunday nights. Not that I'm telling anybody out there to go against HR policy and work outside of normal business hours.
0: <laughs> God forbid. It is
1: my disclaimer. However, <laughs> the best ones that I've ever worked with Sunday night, right? They're spending two hours prepping for their week week or it's Saturday morning before the kids get up and they're, they're doing a little bit of research and they're planning their week or w- whatever it is so that when they hit the ground, they know what they need to do. They're prepared to do it. They're focused on that. Don't let anything else get in the way. And they consistently execute week after week.
0: Yeah, that's it. I'm doing a lot of work with uh, Chris Orlop over at Gong about don't... Those- quality sales conversations. And they're trying to change the game by let's get away from the metrics of number of calls, call time and let's focus on like, listen to talk time, you know, peppering of questions, quality of questions. Did they close for the next meeting? And, and if, I think if managers looked at, even reps looked at that, I go, you know, how good was that call as opposed to, did I make that call? Right. You know, and, and if if you did like a post mortem, which I always loved doing when I was on the road, it, that's the only way you get better. Because think of how much effort it takes to get that person either, you know, on a WebEx, in person or on a, you know, a, a, a substantial call. Right. You know, it's probably, you know, a 10, 15 hours
1: oh at least and and i mean i think that rolls really nice into like that fourth point i had which is the self awareness right so you, you talk about quality and gong's a phenomenal tool i mentioned it all the time uh, to clients like if you guys want to really understand what what makes up your how your sales reps are performing on the phone you need a tool like that right but it's that self-awareness and taking the time to do the postmortems, and being in a mindset that allows you to actually hear the feedback, right? Because a yeah. lot of reps, you know, fragile egos. Not that I'm saying every salesperson has it; just ninety-nine percent have sit, have <laughs> fragile egos, right? Yeah. And 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 it's just part of the game. Like, but in order to really be effective, to to truly be self-aware of what you're doing, how effective it's being, how you can improve, uh, and being in that right type of mindset to also accept accountability for the times that you did well and the times that you screwed up um, and, and be in a place where you can grow and continually evolve. Um, it's not easy to do, especially the pace we move these days. It's not easy, you know, to be I guess vulnerable is probably the right word, but uh, but being able to be in a space where you can take that postmortem feedback, where you can look at tools that talk to you about the quality of your execution and really internalize that. Uh, and, and make changes in your behaviors, that's a that's a rare skill set as the days go by, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough early in my career that um, the CEO of the company would come on calls with me. He goes, I love going on calls. And he was the exact opposite of me. I was like the young engineer turned sales guy. He was like the Stanford grad, <laughs> Air, Air Force Academy, you know, you know, bootstrap guy, just you know, locked down. I mean, he—you could put him in front of a crowd, and they would be mesmerized. Where I would be like sweating in a little ball of goo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you know, I'd work up to get that meeting, and I say, "Hey, my CEO's in town. He'd really like to meet you and learn about where you're going." Oh yeah, bring him by. You know, and and all I'd have to do is say, "Here's Paul," and he would just. Grab the meeting for an hour and they would just like boom 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 and we'd get a deal you know but every after call he'd ask me in the car he goes how'd I do. He asked me, (laughs) you know, I went to night school. This guy got an MBA from Stanford, you know, he's running the company. I'm, I'm the lowest on the totem pole and he's asking me how he did. Well, I mean, that's a great
1: leadership approach though, right? I mean, you need all of the feedback that you can get, especially, I think, I think we pay, you know, ultra high performers, not necessarily for their abilities, uh, to do, you know, cold calling or to do this or to do that. But I honestly think we we're paying these days, especially for those that can, that can critically assess multiple inputs, whether that be feedback, market trends, whatever that may be, and come up with something that is going to be better than any of those individual components alone. And that ability to critically assess uh, and to think spatially, to bring it all together, um, I think that's it's more important in leadership today and, and especially in complex sales.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, how there's a huge time gap between the time we're doing this because we're not doing you know, those type of meetings every day, all day. And, you know, we we spend so much time to get them that we're kind of out of practice, especially when you do big deals, you know, you forget about what it's like at the very first call because you haven't done one in two or three months, you know, so you got to kind of like really take a step back and like, okay, here's like an hour where, you know, it's, I'm trying and I I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) face. I don't know. right? Right. I don't know what questions, I don't know what concerns, I don't know if they're angry, happy, growing, shrinking, if they're looking for another job, and it's like, and you've got to kind of be there, you know, maneuvering this in the direction that you want. You don't know how much they know about you, your company, the problem, if they know anything. right? You know, and too many of us go in there assuming that they they know, you know, they spent two hours studying our product, and they're 57% through the buying cycle. You don't know that, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Let me let me share some insights. <laughs> like, <laughs> Who the hell are you? You right. know, <laughs> and I, I think we have to understand that.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. It's just, I, I think it's, we have a tendency, to want to make sales more complex than it actually is. I I mean, yeah, there's a whole bunch of trends and a whole bunch of things that you can read out there. But if you really look at what makes the most successful sales professionals successful, like the four things that we've talked about so far, none of that's new none of that's rocket science, right? It is staying focused on the things that we know work that allow people to be credible, connect with other individuals and make the most of the time they invest. It just, it seems pretty simple to me, but then I don't know, I guess there's just so many things out there today to distract people that they think that there's some silver bullet or some better way to do it. I just, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, to me, it's, You know, it's these four things. And and for me, I think the fifth would be like making sure that that reps are taking time for self-improvement. And maybe that's working out. Maybe that's, you know, uh, studying up on the industry that you're focused on, understanding new trends, you know, continually feeding your head type of stuff. It doesn't have to be a lot, uh, you know, but 30, 40 minutes a week makes a world of difference. And I don't see a lot of people doing that either today.
0: Yeah, and and if they do it, they don't apply it, or they they kind of say, Oh, that's a refresher.
1: And it's like, (laughs) Oh, yeah, I already knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Are you applying it? (laughs) Right. That's the, you know, yes, you know, but it's like a magic trick I try and explain to people. It's like, okay, you know, I have the rabbit up my sleeve, but let me see you pull it out so it doesn't (laughs) look right. And they go, oh, yeah. No, you got to pra- practice that trick a hundred times so it looks original. It's like comedy, right? There's a lot of, there's like a thousand great comedy writers for every one great comedian. Right. Uh, Right, Because it's that one great comedian who has the timing to to really deliver the joke, but the the thousand people could write the same joke. And I I think that's a lot like sales.
1: It is. And that practice that uh, it's amazing to me how many people think, and I probably, I've probably been guilty of this too at times. I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I've done this a hundred times. And so when I find that I screw up deals or I have screwed up deals in the past, it's because I assumed I knew what the hell I was doing and didn't go back through my checklist or go back through my, you know, all right, did I, did I do it like this? Did I do it? You know, I didn't go back through my own best practices. I got, uh, what's the word? Unconsciously competent, or I guess it's con- unconsciously incompetent at that point. But it's like, I start, you know, I've done it, I've closed multi million dollar deals. I know what it takes. I know the micro moments and the micro commitments, all of that stuff. But when I have a tendency to go off the rails and I see other reps go off the rails, it's when the they get too comfortable with their own knowledge rather than the application of the best practice as it was taught to them, right? They, th- they think they're going to turn it into their own. It's like you can't take Shakespeare, change a few sentences, and all of a sudden have more Shakespeare. That's not the way it works. It, Shakespeare is a very structured type of thing. So if you're going to engage in that type of profession like sales, especially complex B2B sales, you have to be as diligent as you would studying something of, you know, that's already been proven and put out there. A lot of guys just want to do it fast and quick back to that more activity, more activity, more activity.
0: Right. And they think because they've been doing it for X number of years that they should, it should best be natural, but right. it, it's not, it's that complicated. It's why, you know, chefs still have their recipes up there because they're going to miss a step. It's yeah. just natural. It's why surgeons have checklists, why architects have checklists, you know, okay, this is the hundredth building I have built, but Hey, if I do it wrong, bad things happen. You yeah.
1: Know? <laughs> it only takes one misstep. To screw up a deal, kill a patient, collapse a building, right? The, the people that, that are the best at their uh, disciplines are the ones that are that stay focused on those best practices and apply what they have learned. And even as they learn new things, they'll apply them in kind of, I don't want to say a lab environment, but if I'm going to try something new, I'm not going to try it on a $10 million deal. I might try it on like a little $5,000 deal that I don't care if I screw up because I want to see how it plays in reality, right? And some people are like, oh, I got this. I learned this new thing. They run out and try it on a CEO for this big seven, eight-figure deal that they're working, and it backfires, right? I saw this a lot with uh, uh, when Challenger Sale first came out. Only certain people can challenge uh, executives of very large organizations in a way that doesn't come across as being... Rude. (laughs) Right.
0: And it's like, if they're not interested in it, it turns into a debate. It doesn't turn or an argument instead of an insight. And it's like, if you really think you know someone else's business better than them, you better know it. Right. (laughs) Because if you don't, you're probably going to step in a trap that's going to be real hard to get out of
1: all right everybody that does it for this episode of the b2b revenue executive experience so again thank you to brian burns for uh taking time to do this collaboration really enjoying the conversations we're having hope these insights into what makes a players and b players different uh, was helpful and insightful for you guys if you like what you're hearing please register review on itunes uh we really do look at those to see what kind of uh guests we should bring on what kind of topics we should cover it's been a great opportunity to uh, cover this topic with you guys today and again we have Value Prime Solutions, wish you all nothing but the greatest success.
0: You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.